It has been so good, so fun, so full for Jeannie and I and for our team and for all the volunteers here at Soul City Church to spend this weekend celebrating God and telling stories about how good he's been over the course of this last year, specifically this last year, but all throughout our lives. But as we focused in on this last year and all that's happened in 365 days, we are amazed at how good, how great our God is. And just seeing you here tonight and all that we've experienced this weekend, I'm just, my heart is full. And if you, um, if you think I'm going to get through this talk right now without crying, you're, you're crazy. It's going to happen, so just prepare yourself for it. Because our hearts are so full with what we've seen God do in our lives and in this church and in this city. And we feel like we are living in miracles. And we work hard for these miracles. But we are living in miracles. We are living in prayers that have been answered. In fact, what I want you to do right now is just kind of look around this room as best you can. Seriously, it's not, don't, it's not creepy or weird. Just go ahead and look around this room. Here's what's really crazy. A year ago, people were in this room praying for you. People were in this room one year ago praying for you. And they didn't know your name maybe at that time. They didn't know who you were. You had no idea. But there were people that were huddled up in this room praying for you. Praying that God would move in the lives of our friends, in the lives of this neighborhood, in the lives of this city. And that we would see God answer big prayers. In fact, they're written all over these pillars, all throughout our room. We have been praying big, big prayers. And seeing you here tonight and for you to look around and see, here's the crazy thing. You are an answer to prayer. Very specific and real prayers. And we've seen God answer prayers that we didn't even know how to ask a year ago. We didn't even know how to pray. We've seen God move in ways that we were like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that that could happen. I didn't even know that was an option. And that... It's very new to me in my life to see God move in such big ways that go even beyond ways that I know how to pray for. To think about a year ago, seeing what I've seen God do over the course of this last year, how might my prayers a year ago have been different if I could have seen the goodness and faithfulness of God over the course of this year? I want you to think about that. How might you have prayed differently last year if you would have known all that would happen in your life this year and all that God would do, do you think it might change the way you prayed a year ago? Let me ask you this question I want you to think about. If you could pray something, ask God something, and you knew that no matter what it was you asked, you were guaranteed that he was going to answer it the way you wanted to, what would you pray for? Have you ever thought about that? This is like the genie in the bottle kind of God, okay? So just kind of go with this theology for a little bit. If you knew that God would answer your prayer, you were guaranteed that God would answer your prayer no matter what you asked, what would you pray for? Have you ever thought about that? What would you pray for? Some of you would pray for a spouse. God, you don't bring this person into my life. God, I'm just, you know, since we're at it, God, maybe if they're hot, that'd be great too. Like, you know, I mean, if, if, I, if I get a guarantee, why not, right? Christian supermodel, Lord, bring them to my life, all right? Maybe you'd pray for a relationship that you're in right now. Maybe you'd pray for your, your spouse, and maybe the marriage has been tough, has been difficult, and you pray, God, would you do a miracle and restore this relationship? Maybe you'd pray for a job. If you knew God would guarantee it, you'd pray for a job. Okay, God, here's what I want, this, this kind of job. Or if you're smarter than that, you just pray for money, because if you have money, you don't even have to work. So God, if, if this is guaranteed, I'm just going to pray for money. I mean, maybe that's what you'd pray for. I don't know what you'd pray for. If you were guaranteed that God would answer it the way you asked, many of us, many of us would pray uh, for the Cubs. We would pray and pray 
And God is all-powerful, but I just, I don't know. There's limits, I think there has to be limits. So if you thought about that, if there was no way that, you know, you just knew that God would answer your prayer no matter what it was that you pray, what would you pray for? You think about what those prayers might represent, what they might tell you about yourself or how you view God. Let me ask the question a different way. I want you to think about it like this. If you only knew that you had a few months left, what would you pray for? If you knew that you only had a few months left, what would be the one thing that you prayed for? A few moments left in your life. What is it then that you would pray for? You maybe pray for family, friends, people you love, your kids. Maybe you'd pray for a cure, an answer, whatever it may be. And your prayers get a whole lot more personal and a whole lot more real if we knew that we only had a few moments left And what is it that you would pray? What's the one thing that you would pray in that moment? I think the answer to those two questions reveal a lot about me and a lot about you, a lot about what we value, a lot about what we believe to be true about God, which is why I think it's important for these next few moments that we look at one moment in the life of Jesus where he prayed one thing just moments before his life would end. We have a moment in the scriptures where Jesus' life, the whole point and fulfillment of his life is coming to a conclusion. It's coming to the cross. In fact, it's just hours away, and we have a window that we see where Jesus prays for one thing, and he prays for you, and he prays for me, and we want to pay attention to that one thing and that one moment that Jesus prayed for almost 2,000 years ago. So would you grab the Bible in front of you, or maybe under your seat if it's there, We're going to look at a passage in John 17. It's on page 997 in the Blue Bible. We're going to put it up on the screen as well. John 17, let me just give you a little context. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. I've been able to visit there. It's a beautiful place. And just down the valley and on the other side is the city of Jerusalem, where ultimately he would go to be tried and found guilty of a crime he didn't commit and ultimately send to a cross. But he has this quiet, beautiful moment where he is praying and begging God just hours before he'd be arrested and falsely tried. He spends uh, the beginning part of John 17 praying for his disciples, his specific disciples. Now listen to this. He's praying that they would be one, that they would be united. And even as he's praying, Judas has already left to betray him. Peter is about to deny that he even knows him. And all of these disciples are about to scatter and hide all but one, John the Beloved. But Jesus transitions from this prayer for his disciples, and he begins to pray one thing for you, and for me, and for Soul City Church, for anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus. Let's look at John 17, starting in verse 20. Jesus says these words. He's referring to the disciples. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, them being the disciples. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me, through their message. Now here's the crazy thing. We are a part of that legacy. We are a part of them who will believe. So for those of us who have decided to give our lives to follow, to trust Jesus, to live according to the scriptures, to live our life for God, we are part of those who've heard that message and our life has been changed by it. Jesus is then praying for us in these final moments of his life. Verse 21, he's praying that all of them, and that's all of us, may be what? One. Cool. So that was your dress rehearsal. 
That was your, like, I, that's you getting clear in your throat, getting ready. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pause again, you're going to say the word that's written there in the scriptures like you actually believe it. So verse 21, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Jesus, in other words, is saying, I've given them everything that you've given me. I've taught them everything that you've taught me. I've given them everything that they may be what? One as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. The next word is very important. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. In these final moments where Jesus just has moments before he would go to the cross, in this prayer in John 17, Jesus is praying for you and for me. He's praying for us. And he's praying that we would be one. He's praying that we would be united. And his prayer is that, Father, just as I am in you and you are me, may they be in us. May they be so connected to us that it just automatically connects them to each other. May they be so drawn to us, God. May they be so drawn to your love that it automatically draws them to love each other. That the closer they come to us, the closer they actually come to each other so that they may be one. Then the world will know. Then the world will know that you have sent me and you love them just as you have loved me. It's a very, very, very important truth. Because when the world thinks of the church, it doesn't tend to think of us as one, does it? tends to think of a divided group of a bunch of different factions, a bunch of different denominations that maybe mean something now that no one understands or meant something once that no one cares about anymore. A bunch of different divisions that people literally have little wars and arguments and fights within Christian community, literally putting and pitching sides over things, small things they disagree about. The world looks at the church, the body, this this believer, this group of believers, followers of Jesus, and they see division. They see hypocrisy. They don't see one. Sadly, too often, they don't see one. And Jesus' prayer for us in that moment before he would give his life for us was that we would be one. And it's not something that we can necessarily do on our own. It doesn't necessarily work that way, that we can just try really hard to be one. Jesus' answer in this text is, the closer they are to us, the closer they'll be to each other. The more they literally lay down their agendas and come together in my name, the closer they will be, the more they will be one. The more they lay down their preferences and biases down and come and gather around this same God, this one God, the more they will be one. And then the world will take notice that there is something different about these people. That although they come from so many different backgrounds and so many different stories, when they come together, they are one. And when they move throughout the city, they love as one force of God's love in this city. Then the world will notice that you and I are one. The more and more and more we gather around 
the name of Jesus, the more we become one. And to think about Jesus praying that prayer 2,000 years ago, and here we are today. And I wonder what it would look like for us if we were to say, okay, what if we, for one year, did everything we could to fulfill Jesus' prayer and dream and hope for us? That we would join him and actually pray that we would be one. That we would show up and lay down our agendas. That we would show up and lay down our preferences and biases and pick up the needs of others around us. That we would come together and gather around the name of Jesus and in so doing, become closer and closer together and ultimately that we would be one. What if for one year we were that serious and that committed to praying that? What do you think might happen a year from now, year two of Soul City Church? Because I'm telling you, What's happened over this last year? Way beyond anything we ever expected. Way beyond anything we ever expected. I would have prayed way bigger and way bolder prayers had I known all that God would do over the course of this year. You think about your own life. I want you to think back 365 days ago. Think about all that's happened this year. Think about all that's changed. Think about maybe ways you've seen God move in your very own life. Maybe it's through this church. You had no idea that God would do that a year ago, did you? I'm going to show you a few pictures from exactly a year ago, pictures that were taken at Soul City Church exactly a year ago, and people who had no idea what God was going to do throughout their lives, throughout this church. first picture I want to show you is actually this room. That's this room, like days before we opened our doors. And if you've been around Soul City Church for a little while, you know that it's always under some level of construction. We believe in the value of transformation, even down to the studs and nails and walls in this building. And so we, this building is constantly transforming. This is our church. And you look, there's nothing. There's these TVs. This screen isn't there. I think we like duct taped a projector up to the ceiling that week. And then you look in this room and you see all, you see all this gear, all this stuff around here, the screens and stuff. Do you know that every piece of that was given to our church, donated to our church because of people who believe in the church in the city and who love God. They just gave all the stuff, gave it all to our church. You see all this decor that's cool to coordinate. It's like our church is like kind of like an anthropology. It's amazing. It's amazing. Do you know this is all this is all done by volunteers? This is all done by people who love God, love this church. They came together as one. A year ago, we had no idea. We had no idea what this space would look like. And what God would do is we gathered together in these times, Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. I want to show you another space exactly a year ago. Does anyone know where this is? That's Soul City Kids a year ago. That's where we have our whole loft space and our Soul City Kids space. And let's thank God that we actually renovated that space because if we were having kids in that space now, we'd have some serious health code violations. We would be shut down. That's the dirty, dingy like, place that we had upstairs. When we moved into this space, we said, listen, God, you know, we, we're, gonna just, we're just gonna focus on downstairs for this year. Okay, let's just focus on downstairs. We'll, we'll just, God's going to grow our church. We'll start downstairs. And within two weeks, we're like, okay, we've got to go upstairs. We've got to go upstairs. We've already grown out of room. And here's what's so amazing. This morning, Soul City Kids, they have their largest numbers of kids they've ever had at Soul City. In fact, they've outgrown the room that we renovated and built upstairs, and they've already now spread out into three different rooms upstairs. Isn't that awesome? It's amazing. A year ago, we had no idea. A year ago, it was uh, our two kids and a few other babies that would show up, right? We had no idea what God would do. I want to show you another picture of my friend. This is Dan Clare. This is Andrew Hudsinger. 
This is so great. This is Dan's first night. This is his very first night, 365 days ago. He showed up at Soul City Church. He had no idea that this would become a church home for him here in the city. Dan's a good friend of mine. He's an amazing actor, a creative person. He's used his creative abilities all throughout this church. A year ago, Dan had no idea that that's, he'd be able to use his spiritual gifts and his gift of creativity in this church. A year ago, Dan had no idea that he would be compelled by God to join with Team World Vision and Soul City Church and run the Chicago Marathon. And I love, I have another picture that I'm not going to show you of Dan and I at the starting line, you know, just hugging each other, going, I can't believe what God's done in a year. This is my friend. And we, I was going to say ran the marathon. We started the marathon together. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who got to the end first. And what I love about Andrew is the way that God has used her uniquely in this church. And she came into this church from day one with anything, whatever it takes, God, kind of attitude. Whatever you need me to do, God. And what I love is I didn't know Dan a year ago. But I knew Andrew. I've known Andrew since she was in high school. And to see the way that God has brought our stories back together and how she served at a very unique time, very unique role here at Soul City Church. We had no idea a year ago. We had no idea. I'll show you another picture. This is from exactly a year ago. That's Rianne on the left and Gigi on the right. Rianne has quickly become um, a very, very, very important leader here at Soul City Church because she leads our First Impressions team. So anytime you feel welcomed and like people smile and say hi to you 19 times before you get into this room, that is her work and her team that God has led her to build. A year ago, she had no idea. A year ago, someone was saying hi to her. And Gigi, standing next to her, to your right, has become one of our kids' favorite leaders in Soul City Kids. Gigi's an amazing leader in Soul City Kids. She gives and cares so much for those kids. And here's the thing I love too. Gigi's on our Communicators Collective. She helps shape the direction and the preaching and teaching here at this church every week. A year ago, she had no idea that God would use her to do that. No idea. Let me show you another picture. This is Luke Ruse. Looks like he's in a hurry, like we bothered him to take this picture. And he probably is, because this is what I love. Luke and his wife, Sarah, live literally in the next building over, just one block away. And when they saw the work that was starting to go on here when we were under construction last summer, popped their heads in and said, you guys have no idea. We've been praying for a church. We've been praying for a church to come to this neighborhood. We had no idea who you were. We just saw some like eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper taped up in the window and we thought we'd poke our heads in. The way that God has used Luke and Sarah in this church, a year ago they had no idea. Sarah has become such a valued leader in Soul City Kids. I mean, she does so much to keep that ministry moving and growing as it is. Luke uh, serves two very important roles. Uh, Luke is on our stewardship team here at Soul City Church. Luke and a group of others are responsible to make sure that we leverage every resource God provides us to the highest redemptive potential, that our spiritual ROI is as high as possible. And Luke sits on that team and gives leadership and direction to how our church uses the resources that God provides us. He also sits on another very important team. He does parking every week. And I think we need to give him a hand for that because he stands in the cold. He stands in the rain and the cold along with a whole other team of others and makes sure that, and you all know what parking's like in the city. Last thing you want to deal with that is that hassle at church. And so they do such an amazing job of, of leading that team. I just, I love, a year ago they had no idea, no idea what God would do in their lives in this church. Let me show you one more picture. This was taken uh, exactly a year ago, right after our first service. 
And I remember the feeling I had that moment was right after this picture was taken, a feeling of terror hit me because then I realized, oh, we have to do this every week now. (laughs) No one told me that. I thought we just had to launch this thing. And I look at my wife, Jeannie, and I think about the way that God wove our stories together many, many, many years ago and how we had no idea the way that he would use, the way that he's wired us with spiritual gifts of leadership and teaching and all that stuff to be a team to lead this church together. And I could not pick a finer partner in my life and for this church than my wife. And then I think about our kids, and they love this church. And you have been so kind to our kids. And if you've been around church for a while, you know that pastor's kids are the worst kids in church. (laughs) It's just a universal truth. It's in the Bible somewhere. And the way that you all have loved our kids and made it so normal for them, they love this church. They love Soul City Kids. They love God. They love reading the Bible. Our kids come home singing songs about God. Our son comes home and explains to me the concept of the Trinity. (laughs) He's six. God has changed our lives this last year in ways that I could have never, ever imagined. And all our hopes and all our prayers and all our plans were far surpassed by the greatness and goodness of God this last year. And if I would have known one year ago when this picture was taken, if I would have known all that God was going to do over this last year, I would have prayed such bigger and bolder prayers. I would have walked right into the throne room of God and said, God, here is what we need. This is what our church needs, and only you can provide it. God, here is how broken I am, and I cannot do this, so only you can lead through me. God, these are my friends who are far from you, and only you can bring them into relationship with you. I would have prayed such bigger and bolder prayers had I known how great and how good God would be over the course of this last year. Even in the hardships, and we've had some hardships this last year, we've had some tough, tough goes. It has been hard, but it has been good. And I just think about this next year, and how should I be praying now? Now that I've seen just a glimpse of the goodness of God and how much He loves this church How should I be praying for this next year? How should you be praying for this next year? Jesus' prayer was incredibly clear. He prayed that we would be one. On his way to the cross, you were in his prayers. On his way to the cross, you were on his heart. And he gave his very life. He gave everything so that you and I could be one. We could have a church like Soul City Church in this great city of Chicago. And so my question to you is, how are you going to pray? What are you going to pray for this next year? What's the one thing that you want to pray for on this one-year anniversary? What's the one thing that you want to say, God, would you do this in my life? Would you be God in this area of my life? God, would you do this in our church? What would that one thing be. Here's the crazy thing. When all of us bring those prayers together to God for our lives and for this church, you know what God does in the process? He helps make us one.
Isn't that amazing? We bring our prayer. We say, oh God, would you do what only you can do? God, would you do it this year? God, would you do it in my life? I beg of you, only you can do it. God, would you do this for our church this next year? As we come to God in that posture, do you know what he's doing? He's actually bringing us together. And we are becoming one. And when we become a church that prays and begs and keeps in step with God and lessens the gap between listening and hearing to God and obeying God, when that gap begins to diminish in our lives of listening to God and obeying God, we become one. When we choose to lay down our agendas and our preferences and all the things that we're holding on to and we say, no, I am here because of God for you and with you, we become one. When we begin to see other people's needs as greater than our own and we show up here and we show up throughout the city saying, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. I've seen how good God is. I want to be a part of what's next. We become one. When we walk out these doors and we pray as we walk down the sidewalks for the neighbors, the 164,000 people that live within one mile of this church, do you know what happens when you are praying that prayer all by yourself and she's praying that prayer all by herself and he's praying that prayer all by himself? Do you know what happens? We become one. When we join together and sing and praise God in this space and with our lives throughout this week, we become one. And so my question, my challenge to you is, What is the one thing that you are going to pray for this year, for your life, for this church? Now, you know we're Soul City Church, so we're not going to ask a rhetorical question. We're going to actually have you answer it. And so what we've done is we've created a little space. Mo has been painting such a beautiful piece here for our church. We love Mo, we love Joel, and the creative gifts that God has given each of them. And what we're going to do is we we, we could let Mo be the only artist right now, but that's not how we're, we're going to give you all an opportunity to be artists right now. Because up here in the front are canvases, and in the back there's a station where there's canvases, and there's a lot of pens. And so what we want you to do is come up and to write your name and to write a one-word prayer to God. What's the one thing you say, you know what, God, I'm actually going to do it this year. I am going to pray. I'm going to pray big and bold prayer, and then we're going to hang these up through our church and be reminded, just as these pillars remind us, of the goodness and greatness of God. And so for the next few moments, we want to give you space. It's like three minutes And I'm telling you that because for some of you, it takes you two minutes to warm up to the idea. So I'm telling you that now, that we want to encourage you to come and be one together as a church, visually to write your name down in a one-word prayer, a big and bold prayer that you have for this church or for your life this next year. And we're going to watch and expect and hope and pray and believe that we're going to see God exceed that prayer over the course of this next year in ways that are far greater than we could ever imagine or words could ever express. So I'm not actually going to pray for you right now. I'm going to let you pray and come forward as you do and mob these tables. 10 o'clock service, they were so neat and orderly. In fact, one of the canvases is all written down, left justified perfectly. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's how they roll. Here's what I'm saying. Mob and use this space right now. Make this a sacred space. And then in a minute, Jeannie's going to lead us through another little reflection. And then we're going to sing as one body together. But I want to invite you to come up now to use this time to look at some of the images on the screen, the verses on the screen, to write your name and one word prayer that you have for this next year, the Soul City Church and in your life. So go ahead, take advantage of this time now.